Hi, everybody. Welcome, and uh, thank you for inviting us into your homes, whether you're listening to this on Sunday morning or some other time that's more convenient during the week. It's just great to be able to share with you, to talk to you about Scripture. And we're talking today from the Sermon on the Mount, from the Beatitudes, in the series that we've called The Good and Beautiful Life. Well, our families of origin contribute a lot to our identity, for better or for worse, and some of us come from really good family backgrounds, and some of us, well, not so much. For good or for worse, our families shape our identity, our shape our sense of who we are, our even who we might become. I first noticed this, maybe because I'm a slow learner, when I went to university. Um, I met uh, friends who were families that had come newly to Canada, and uh, their parents often owned corner stores or small businesses. And what I noticed about these peers, these, these friends of mine who came from New England families, is how geared up they were to be at university. Not only were they at university, but they were there to get the very best grades possible. I learned that even from little kids, their parents had talked to them about being the very best at what they did and and motivated them to do well at university. The competition for grades was fierce. I know in my family of origin, my parents never talked to me about getting great grades or excelling at what I did at university. In fact, we never even had a conversation about going to university or higher education. And it was kind of going to university was kind of, yeah, I just decided to do this and here we go and this will be good and this is important. But these friends of mine who came up, came from immigrant uh, families, man, they, they were geared to uh, be at university and to do very, very well. And so our families of origin make a big difference. And uh, this, is, this is true uh, right across the world, I think. And, and uh, we're blessed when we're brought up with families that are peaceful and loving and kind and, and give us a good start. What we find in this passage that we're looking at today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, is that Jesus has made a huge difference to who we are. So our identity isn't just being shaped by our family of origin, but our, our life is being shaped by this new relationship we have with this new father and with our brother, Jesus Christ. The passage we're looking at is chapter 5, verse 9 of Matthew. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now, in many of the translations, it says children of God, because when it says sons of God here, it's not really um, referring to gender. It's really referring to this idea that we are like God or we are like Jesus. Peacemakers, whoever they are, and we'll define that more carefully a bit later, are called sons of God or children of God or brothers and sisters of God. In other words, when we remember that Jesus is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, John 3.16, we remember then that this is a reference to the fact that we are brothers and sisters. We are kin of Jesus. We have identified with the Father and His characteristics have now come to us. We are now peacemakers. We have switched families. We've switched families of origin from simply having a physical family. Now we belong to a new spiritual family. We will be called children of God because we are peacemakers. This idea of peace in the Bible is different perhaps than 
what we might expect. Because it comes from the Hebrew understanding of shalom. That's the word for peace in Hebrew, and probably you've heard this before. And it means more than the absence of war. I think in English, when we use the word peace, we're often talking about the uh, cessation of hostilities. Uh, But shalom, rather, means wholeness or well-being. So while the English word peace means the absence of something, the absence of hostilities, the Hebrew word shalom, from which this word peacemaker comes from, means the presence of something, something good, something beautiful, wholeness, well-being. So peacemakers are not those who break up fights or those who call for a ceasefire or those who negotiate a truce. Well, well, those are all good things. That's not quite what Jesus is getting at when he says that we are peacemakers in this beatitude. What Jesus is getting at is that we bring wholeness, we bring well-being because of our relationship with Jesus everywhere we go and in every circumstance. John 14, 27, and Jesus talks about peace. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus brings wholeness to people. When we bring wholeness to people, when we bring a sense of well-being into the lives of others, into our families, into our workplace, into our schools, into our churches, we bring the good and beautiful life. We are acting like children of God. I think as evangelicals, we tend to think of peacemaking as being evangelism. Well, yes, we're bringing peace because we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and when people invite Jesus into their lives, they receive peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace of, in relationship with God. Uh, we tend to think of it in terms of peace in our hearts because of a relationship with, through Jesus. But this idea of shalom applies not only to our hearts and our relationship with Jesus, it, require, it, it applies also to our families and to our workplaces and to the world at large. A sense of well-being, a sense of joy, comfort, beauty, well, wholeness. Jesus is at work in all of these places, not just in the hearts of believers. Jesus is at work in world affairs. Jesus is at work in your workplace. And Jesus is at work in our families. And Jesus is at work in our leisure activities. Peace doers, and maybe that's a better way of of saying it than peacemakers. I think as Canadians, when I I think of peacemakers, I think of uh, Canada's peacekeeping responsibilities in in previous years, a previous generation. And whenever I think of peacekeepers and peacemakers, I think of soldiers with guns, as the Canadian Army often went into places in order to keep the peace, but they did it with uh, worldly weapons. And uh, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about peace doers who bring healing and wholeness to situations in which they're found. Now, we can work for peace the wrong way. And and I think we've all caught ourselves doing this. I I think the first tendency when we see conflict or difficulties or struggles or or, uh, people in need of healing is uh, to avoid. Uh, To avoid trouble can often cause worse situations 
and uh, avoiding hard conversations doesn't make the problems go away. And, and uh, we discover this in, in just about all of our relationships, that if you, if you avoid the, con- the hard conversations, you may have a temporary sense of peace, but sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with it. Wholeness rarely comes without first owning the brokenness. And this, of course, is the, is the cross and what Jesus has done for us. Uh, we cannot receive wholeness from him unless he was broken. And in, in most situations, the path to peace, the path to wholeness, the path to well-being requires uh, a difficult challenge, a, a way of walking that is not always easy. And while we are tempted to take the easy way for immediate peace in the English sense, we will never really achieve shalom unless we're first willing to own the brokenness. Notice that shalom and beauty are related. Have you ever thought of that? There's something beautiful about wholeness and well-being. And there's something shalom-like about beauty. Have you ever been in a place where you've just looked at a star-lit sky and just been overwhelmed with a sense of wholeness and peace and beauty, or a sunset, or perhaps a walk through the forest, or perhaps a a trip to the lake or to the outdoors, and and it just overcome with this sense of well-being, of of shalom. Beauty and shalom are closely related. Psalms 19 tells us that. The heavens declare the glory of God The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Good and beautiful are those who seek wholeness in the world, in themselves, and in relationships. They are God's children. They are brothers and sisters of Jesus. They make the world a beautiful place. Well, let's pray that we would learn to act like Jesus and be peacemakers, that we would bring beauty, wholeness, well-being in the situations where God has placed us. Sometimes this is difficult. Sometimes this will cost us something in our workplace, in our families, and in our own hearts. I pray that we would do the work of Jesus and create shalom. Let's pray. So, Father, first of all, we thank you for shalom, for wholeness and well-being that come through our relationship with Jesus. We pray that we, too, would be peace-doers and that we would demonstrate the presence of Jesus in our lives. Lord, we recognize that you give us lots of opportunities for this. We, We are involved all the time in conflicting situations, intense situations. And, Lord, you want us to represent you well in those situations. So Lord, I pray that we would be willing to pay the cost, to be willing to speak up, to be willing to bring wholeness and grace and peace and beauty 
in situations that are sometimes ugly, challenging, and difficult. Thank you, first of all, that you've brought this to our hearts. Thank you for the peace that you have brought to us. Help us then, Lord, because of what you've done in our lives, to bring wholeness, peace, well-being in the situations where we find ourselves. Thank you for the good and beautiful life that comes from Jesus. Amen. We will have a song of response, and then I'll come back with a concluding comment. The Sermon on the Mount is sometimes thought of as a list of rules. And sometimes when people read it, they say, oh, I, I, I get it. This is kind of like the Ten Commandments for followers of Jesus. Uh, do this and you will live. But it's not. The Sermon on the Mount is not a list of rules. Uh, they are a picture, rather, of what it means to live as kingdom people. And that's totally different. You see, the Ten Commandments are kind of like this. Do this and you will live. The Sermon on the Mount is not like that. It's live, and I mean really live in Christ, and you will do this. That's totally different. That's why the Beatitudes are not commands. They're rather exclamations of the reality of what it means to live with Jesus' presence in our lives. In other words, when Jesus comes into our lives, we're going to live differently. And that different way of living is a good and beautiful life, and we need to embrace it, we need to celebrate it, we need to live it, because this attracts people to this alternative kingdom that we belong to. It attracts people to the Jesus that we serve. So be peacemakers. Let that good and beautiful life that Jesus brings to you influence the world around you passage of scripture that we've been reading as a doxology is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Amen. Have a great week.